This week on Overtime, we take a look at anger and all that Jesus has to say about it. You don't want to miss this one. Make sure you like and subscribe. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And we're back. We're back. We didn't stop putting podcasts out, but as you know, if you actually watched and listened, we did pre-record yeah, a couple did. of those. So for me, it feels Movie like it's magic. been forever. <laughs> <laughs> it loses a little of it when we openly acknowledge it while we're talking. What but, are you um, going to do? Yeah, but we're recording this on Tuesday and you'll watch it on Wednesday. So it's basically live. We're back at it. Yeah. And you're back from Spain. I am. I am. It was an incredible trip. Tell us like, maybe instead of just like, did you like it? Did you have fun? Maybe one thing about Spain that you wish you could bring back to your life here? Um, culture of community. Everything in Spain is built around these squares. And in these squares is where people do life. So you come home from school, you drop off your books, you meet your friends in the square. Mom and dad get home from work, they drop off their briefcases, they make their way to the square. They're drinking coffee, reading their papers, kids are playing. It, it's very much this place where people do life. and. Um, it, I, I've been gone, we've been back for a couple of days and I'm already kind of mourning that connection with people. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of sad. No, I, <laughs> but, but exciting but too, in the same like breath. Like kind of build yeah. that kind of culture. Absolutely. Um, well, we're really glad you're back, despite what you made it sound like on Sunday. I mean, it's what you said on <laughs> For the, the record, what I said is we could go one more week without John and not <laughs> one more week without Jess, but, um, but we don't have to. No, we Here don't. We are. I'm back. I'm and, back. Um, yeah, we're in the series Kingdom Over Everything, which is really well-timed since you were just technically in a kingdom. Yes. I kind of think of those as like old-timey medieval, but they're real things still. Absolutely. And, Sitting um, king and queen. Yeah, and, and Prince Charles's coronation, I think, is coming up soon. Absolutely. So kingdoms are like all the rage right now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, and this week, you dove into Kingdom Over Anger, which is kind of a challenging, well, I won't even say kind of, at least for me personally, a really challenging area to confront because I think that all of us deal with anger in some way or another. And you talked a little bit about what it looks like to control your emotions. Yeah. So I kind of want to take this a little bit differently from the way that you went with the message, just because these were the questions that I was kind of thinking about as you were preaching. and. I just want to talk about what it means to control your emotions mm. because I think sometimes we hear that and we think that we need to suppress them yeah. um, or pretend that they're not there. And I don't think that's actually what you're talking about when you were talking about specifically anger. Yeah. So um, often in scripture where we see emotions kind of show themselves biblically, uh, we see writers use verbiage like the sinful nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes where we get a little confused is that we equate all emotions to sinful behavior. And in truth, the, the, hard time, the hard thing that people kind of struggle with is because we have kind of demonized emotions and we've said things uh, that make emotions um, this, I don't know, we've, again, we've made them villains, um, that we don't know how to control our emotion. And because we can't control our emotions, we see two polar opposite responses. Mm -hmm. First, we, um, which is very popular today, we become slave to our emotions. So you hear people say things like, well, I'm going to do this thing because it's the only thing that's going to make me happy. So it becomes the pursuit of that emotional state at all costs. And then you see the other polar end of the experience where people, their response is, I'm going to suppress that emotion and 
pretend like it doesn't exist. And I think in both of those cases, you see um, some toxicity develop. Mm -hmm. um, and what we read in scripture is that although we wrestle with flesh and blood, the objective for healthy believers that we come to this place where we become master over our response to emotion. It's not that I don't feel anger. It's not that I don't feel happiness. It's not that I don't feel um, some of these feelings, but I don't allow them to master me, but rather I become master over them and their response, the response that I, that I have towards them. Yeah, what is that? I know I always go practical and, and sometimes it's hard to know exactly, but like just for myself personally, I know that I, I cannot always control my emotions on my own, but I also know that the work of the Holy Spirit in me helps in that like growth and transformation process to be more like Christ. So how do we start? Like if there are people who are watching who are kind of thinking, man, maybe it is anger, maybe it's something else that just kind of popped up while John was talking about anger. Like how do you kind of start that process of yeah. transformation? Well, it's not just anger. You know, we'll talk about lust this week on Sunday, which is going to be a great conversation. But um, I, I think where it starts is where you started, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which unfortunately... The minute I say empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you just have to know that when deity steps in and when we talk about the empowerment of the supernatural, then there are some things about this that require us to have faith, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I think from a very practical standpoint, we first have to come to the understanding of where we are on that spectrum. Um, are we the type of people that our anger controls us, right? Um, I had friends growing up in high school where uh, every conversation they had seemed to be this outburst of anger. And if you just said the wrong thing, it pushed them over the edge. Some of those guys didn't really do well in life because they could not control. They could not get their response to their mm -hmm. emotions under control. So I think you have to figure out where you are in that spectrum. Um, is a lot of your life built on pursuing an emotion? then if that's you and that's where you are in that spectrum, there, there needs to be some radical change. So I know that as much as you always push the practical and we're always talking practical, step one of the practicality is prayerfully considering where you're at, prayerfully considering doing the hard work of inspection, allowing the word to do the work um, that cuts deep and divides between our intentions and our motives. Mm -hmm. All of this is, is tough work but finding out where we are in that spectrum. Um, sometimes it's easy because the product of it, like for instance, if somebody was like, man, I have a porn addiction. Well, there's, there's probably an issue with lust there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but sometimes it's a little more difficult because we cover it up, right? So anger is one of those things that sometimes we've just piled on years worth of ignoring it and calling it growth and years worth of not navigating some of the changes necessary and, and it's, created roots of bitterness and resentment in us and you know it's tough to kind of do that work but you have to start by prayerfully considering where you are in that mm -hmm. spectrum and then according to scripture um, specifically when it comes to anger the scripture does give a lot of practical remedy right like so in Matthew when Jesus is speaking about this issue of anger the first thing he says is stop what you're doing and do the work of reconciliation now, I want to make sure that we kind of sit here a little bit, because I think when we hear the word reconciliation, we think go and fix the problem and make it good. Um, there are some times that I can do the work of reconciliation and the person on the other end is not you know, reciprocating or 
um, you know, the struggle that I'm having, the anger that I'm dealing with is someone who is gone now, and, and that's tough. How many times have you heard people struggling with anger with um, relatives, parents that have passed on? How do I navigate that danger, uh, that anger? Um, so the reconciliation will look different in every, you know, in every scenario, in every case, but it still, it still requires work on your part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, there's not a prescription here that's one size fit all. Right every bit of that anger because of the nature of where that anger stemmed from is going to require different work but it doesn't mean that you can ignore the work Mm -hmm. the the work is necessary and what i love about what i know about jesus is that he meets us in the work and he's graceful to bring healing even when we don't get it all the way right and it reminds me a lot of uh, my kids growing up even me as a child how my parents were there to honor my effort and and there was those moments where i was trying to walk and they walk up behind us and they kind of you know give us the strength resolve us a little bit and help us take those first mm-hmm. couple steps until we're able to take steps that's what grace looks like in a relationship with the lord when i do the work and step into that process um it, it be, it's powerful to see how god steps in and begins that process of healing unfortunately if you don't do the work the fear is you become slave to that anger. Mm-hmm. And really what we saw Sunday and in some conversations that I was having after service and, and since different conversations I'm having via my phone and text and email, um, is that a lot of people have become slave to anger and their lives have kind of been built around the toxicity and they're navigating deep seeds of resentment and um, it's causing all kind of uh, issues. And that's what I love about scriptures when you read it the objective is healthy and healing. Mm-hmm. And so when we expose these things, we're able to step into the fullness of the life that God offers us. Yeah, that was great. That's um, a lot, sorry. It was a lot, no, it was, it was awesome because you kind of led in a direction I wanted to go in. And um, I really want to talk about what reconciliation looks like kind of on the heart level, specifically in some of these areas where either because the person's passed on, like you said, that can't happen. But then there are also some times where it's actually like, it's not physically safe necessarily, or there are just situations where you can't actually go to that person, apologize, shake hands, whatever that may be, for what we kind of think of when we hear reconciliation. So how would you advise someone who is, is angry, dealing with anger, but it's in a situation where they can't necessarily like drop everything, go to someone and yeah, work no, it out. Yeah, that's good. Um, first of all, what the, the issue with anger um, is that often it empowers us to make bad decisions, mm-hmm. right? So but this, we think they're so great we because think they're like, so great. Yeah. I don't know if it's adrenaline or what, Absolutely. but like something rushes to your head and right? you're like, this is the best idea I've ever had. I'm going to go tell them. So I think sometimes <laughs> the work, so no, it's, it's totally fine because again, living, living, um, living in, um, uh, with, with 12 year old boys living within the scope of youth ministry, as long as I've had, um, so many times the argument is, and how many, you stop me if you've heard this, I did this thing. Why'd you do that? I was so mad. I was so mad. And the anger becomes a justification for the thing. I think a part of reconciliation is apologizing for the things that anger produced in you, even if you haven't resolved the anger yet. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we, I think even scripture, the way scripture outlines it, is we take responsibility. Humility is required when dealing with anger. Mm-hmm. Because we have to realize that at points, it's not that that thing that made us angry is always our fault. 
but the things that that anger produced and that you didn't catch and that you didn't filter and that you didn't navigate in the right way, that is your fault. Mm -hmm. And I think for so many of us, dealing with anger starts with looking ourselves in the face and saying, I was wrong in some of this, right? Yeah, so yeah. let's start there now. But then to deal with the actual root of the issue, um, and I've said this all, forgiveness doesn't always r require full reconciliation. Mm -hmm. There's just times where the, the, the objective of this thing is to find in the space in your heart to forgive that thing that was thrusted against you that created that anger. And that's the work of reconciliation because you have brought your heart back to the Lord, not necessarily that you resolve that issue with somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's great. This is um, just a little side plug. The Freedom Group that yes. we really push everyone to do Absolutely. has a whole week where we talk about unforgiveness. And it's not quite the same as anger, but like what you just said is basically straight out of that book. Um, so if that's something that you're struggling with, we offer a freedom group every season. Um, sign up for it. No, absolutely. And everything I say is either out of this book or another one that I read. So um, no, but for, <laughs> well, that one is all out of this one. So. Yeah, within within the scope of <laughs> within the scope of that conversation, just to tie that thread, I absolutely believe that forgiveness is tied in to the resolution mm -hmm. of anger, mm -hmm. right? Because so much of the anger is someone said something, you now have to let that thing go, which is what real forgiveness is, right? It's, it's allowing your heart to heal around that thing that might not have resolution. That person may not even know they did that thing, mm -hmm. right? Which even gets us even more angry, right. right? Well, and I think what happens to us sometimes is we equate our anger with justice. Yes. So we think that if what that person did was wrong, which it could absolutely be, if I'm not angry about it, then in some way I'm like saying that that's okay, which isn't the same thing. Like it doesn't mean that we're allowing people to get to get by with things and not correcting when we have opportunity. It's it's kind of about the motivation, what's happening in us in that situation. Would you say that that's, no, that's fair? Absolutely. I, I do think that so much of this revolves around motivation. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I want to make sure I'm really clear because there are some times where we need to physically resolve the product of that anger. Mm -hmm. You, you know, and even me, um, if I'm in a conversation with my boys and I find myself snapping and angry and frustrated and I say things that I don't mean to say, um, I can't just fix what made me angry and not spend the time to apologize to my boys for right. the product of that anger. So I want to make sure that's clear. Mm -hmm. But with that said, the resolution of that thing that hurt us often just revolves around what's happening on the inside, mm -hmm. right? And that's the beauty of scriptures that Jesus actually models what forgiveness looks like and how where he had every right to be angry chose forgiveness instead. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I, I'm often, I'm often struggle with that concept of justice because if you really are, if you're being honest with yourself, you only look for justice in others. But when it comes to you, you want grace. Don't give me justice. I want grace. But man, I've been unjustly treated. So again, if we're trying to live like Jesus, who was justified in the way that he lived, lived mm -hmm. totally, you know, in this place just where everything was right and good and holy. But what he distributed to others wasn't guilt for their inability to live like him, but grace to get to the point where they could. And I think that that's mm -hmm. critical that we would live the same way. Okay, so I have a really challenging question. Here we go. Jesus flipping over the tables. Yes. 
How does that go with the same Jesus who's saying, yeah, I love it. don't be angry? Because I think there's a really clear picture. There's a really answer. And that, if you're not familiar yeah. with that story, this is a story that happens right, right. in Holy Week, mm -hmm. towards the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, where he's upset about what's happening. He says that they've turned the temple into a thieves' den, a thieves den yeah. and, um, and like flips the tables mm -hmm. over. And so I actually remember a child at a church I worked for 15 years ago came up in the lobby one week and was asking me, was that a sin when yeah, Jesus flipped question. the tables over? So I'm just, I'm just yeah. curious how you reconcile those. James gives us good insight, right? James says, um, be angry, but do not sin. Mm -hmm. And it also talks about this idea of being slow to anger. How could we possibly be slow to anger? I thought we weren't supposed to hit anger at all. But then adds clarity in the next passage where he says, human anger does not produce righteousness, right? So remember, all of what we're studying, what we find is the ancestors were concerned about what you did. Jesus was concerned about who you are. Right. And so when he flips over the money changers, was he offended because of what they did to him? No. He was offended because of the way they were, what, treating others. Mm -hmm. So I believe that what we see there is a righteous anger because Jesus was fueled by the way they treated those who were broken, those who were downcast. And, and I believe... And especially as a representation of God, like yeah. in the temple. I also think to some degree, and it's another conversation for another time, <laughs> but I think Jesus is also standing in the temple saying, this is all what yesterday was. I'm the living sacrifice. So moving forward, you don't need a sacrifice. You don't need a sacrifice right. no more. I am the perfect spotless lamb, which by the way is super exciting when you read that passage in that light. But with that said, there is room for righteous indignation when we are challenged. Listen, there are times where I watch the news and I see what's going on around us and I see the way that the world has attempted and has, has gotten there, it's just sunk its teeth, how the enemy has sunk its teeth into our culture and these things are just lunacy and I'm seeing the way that it hurts people. I'm not personally offended. It's not about me or my, my motives to like, you didn't, you, you're not offending me. I'm, I'm offended, like the anger is based off how, you know, culture is being blindsided by this, how this is affecting our kids, how this is affecting our churches, how this is affecting those who don't know Jesus yet and, and creating boundaries to, in order for them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That stuff frustrates the nonsense out of me. Um, but again, it's, it's righteous indignation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important difference because again, James says, be angry, but don't sin. Right. And then that idea of slow to anger, which is, is critical to understand also. Yeah. Well done. You handled some tough questions. I tried. You mentioned it just briefly already, but um, where are we headed this week? Yeah. So again, we're reading out of Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and a little bit of 7. I don't know if we'll touch 7 or not. I'm kind of going back and forth. But Jesus speaking really clearly saying, this is what the ancestor said, but this is what I say. Mm -hmm. And really, this conversation about the kingdom um, has been really forming the idea of like, the kingdom of God requires a certain response from us. And Jesus is not afraid of letting you know what that response should be. Mm -hmm. And all of it comes back to your emotions and things that are produced from your emotions. So we're specifically looking at this idea of lust and how it affects marriages and how it affects divorce and how our vows are, are, are affected and, and our promises are affected by this thing of lust that we need to learn how to control. So that's where we're going this week. And, um, it's going to be a tough one, but I'm really kind of getting excited. Yeah. It's again, a good series. On the end of everything that's tough, 
there's freedom for people who've walked through tough seasons. And there's freedom for those of you who've struggled with lust. There's freedom for those of you who struggled with anger. And I'm just, I'm believing that people are walking lighter this week because of our examination of the Word Sunday and how the Word has examined us. So I can't wait to do it again. Awesome. Well, we will be right back here Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we hope to see you there. See you there.